everyone, this is Coach Ty along with Coach Hines, and this is episode 24 of For What It's Worth Coaching Podcast. And for this this podcast, we decided to switch sides. I'm a little uncomfortable on this side. <laughs> I can tell already by the way I'm talking. I, I feel like we should start that intro again, but I think, no, let's just keep rolling with it. Yeah. We uh, did. I don't know why. I, I said, hey, we should switch seats. And we did. But uh, it's kind of, uh, I hate this analogy that I'm even thinking of it now, but I have one side of the bed and Jill's always on the other. We know where each other right, sleeps. Right. Probably the same for you and Chrissy. Yeah. But if you switch that, I wouldn't sleep as well. No, not at so all. So this podcast is going to be phenomenal. Yep. Or, or, or we're going to take ever. it back. It yes. can't be the worst ever because we recorded one earlier today yes. that was uh, the worst ever. You won't even see. It hit the trash can button pretty quick when we were done. Yeah. Yeah. It did. <laughs> but today we're going to talk about... I <laughs> love <laughs> But today we're going to talk about coaching styles and... There's a lot of different ones out there. In fact, we got this magic list behind the football here that kind of helped us out on different coaching styles that we've dealt with personally and also as we were going through our uh, career as a football player and a baseball player and what worked, what doesn't, and how to find it yourself. Yeah, and I think one of the interesting things is, and remind them, remind me, you've coached for how many years now, all told, uh, through youth to high school? It's well over 20. I, I don't know the exact year, but some breaks here and there because of uh, career stuff. And, yeah, but. yeah I'm, I'm coming up coming up at 27 years yeah. coaching high school football, which, which is incredible to me. But I love this topic of coaching styles because I look back at my first year, and I, I'm going to I'm gonna skip down the list here. We made the Coach Gateway our secrets. We have a the list right Wait here. A you gave it away last podcast, not this one. But if you're new to the podcast, you wouldn't have known that. So. Yeah. Well, if they started episode one, they would have heard episode one. <laughs> Coach gave it away. <laughs> if you're listening in order, I did give it away last podcast. <laughs> but I'm going I'm to bounce around in the order here because I think any successful coach, um, and you and I both know how we define success. Yes, winning is important. Yes, to keep our jobs, you've got to win enough games. Right. Um, we're blessed here at Coronado. I love the way Graham said it. Graham, once again, is behind camera. He's uh, one of our players who uh, is multi-talented and is helping out with uh, recording the podcast. So any complaints, just and email him. And he has him. some color commentary every so often, too. You will hear a little giggle in the, every in the so often of or a comment when we put him on the spot. But Graham had mentioned uh, one of our workouts a few weeks ago about you know, we're in Division Three now. The past two years, we've made it to the, the semifinals, which is a great thing. You know How you define success as a coach cannot, in our opinion, I know for both of us, just come with the scoreboard with wins right. and losses but as we reflect on different coaching styles I look back to my first year or two as a head coach and I'm not proud of this at all uh, my first year or two as a head coach I wanted to be friends with everyone yeah you know and, and every so often we'd be in the game and a quarterback would throw an interception and the player would come over and say hey why do you throw that you know why did why did coach so-and-so call that play like, I, I don't know and I wasn't trying to be disrespectful to the head coach but I, I guess I wasn't confident yet, enough yet myself mm-hmm. to look at the player and say, hey, don't you worry about that. You do your job, we'll do right. our job. Exactly. Um, and, I, and I've grown and matured in a lot of different ways as a coach, but different coaching styles, I think there's that style out there where a coach wants to be best friends with everyone. Mm-hmm. What's your advice to a coach that whether he's new, or she or she is new into coaching or has been coaching for years, but if they see themselves as wanting to be everyone's best friend, what would you say to them? Because I, I have some thoughts, but I want to hear yours first. You can't. It's easy as that. You can't be best friends because number one, as a coach, for me, honesty is the number one thing with, with a player because you're going to build that trust between you and the player. If you just sugarcoat everything and like, oh, I don't know, and not give them a legitimate answer, um, number one, then you don't know the game. 
right? Correct. You, you don't know, you don't, have, you don't have the interpersonal skills, and it's that, that's one of a lot of the young coaches, their downfalls are, is because really a lot of new coaches are only maybe three or four years out of high school sometimes, and they still have that um, connection, and it's cool having that because then as an older coach you can use that connection sometimes, but sometimes that connection gets fa- uh, gets um, misinterpreted as okay we're buddies. We're gonna go get you know burritos after practice today or something like that, but you're not you're you're in a different, um, a different aspect of you're not a player anymore, right? You're a leader. You're you're supposed to be a, an example of how you're supposed to conduct yourself. Yeah, I, I I love that. You know, I, I think our job is to serve our players. Yes, they don't need us to be their best friends. That's Correct. not our job. Should we build relationships with them? 100%. Should we connect with them on things outside of the game? 100%. Um, but they don't need us to be their best friends. No. They need us to, to love them enough and to serve them enough where we can look at them and say, hey, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of what you've done today. And when they're we're slacking off or being lazy or whatever we may see that, that needs correcting, needs coaching, they're going to – and they may not always appreciate it in the moment, but at some point in their – playing career or well after it's over, they're going to look back and remember, hey, Coach Ty or Coach Hines or Coach whoever loved me enough to be honest with me right? and not to try to be best friends with me. And you can be honest without being a jerk about it too. You know, a lot of times when you're trying to be their best friends, how many times do you look at your, Graham, look at your best friend, you're like, ah, whatever, dude. You know, you can't have that with your coach. And if you start doing that, you're going to lose respectability from the players. Yeah, absolutely. You want you want to pick another one off? The you list? know, I'll tell you true. I'm gonna I'm gonna go off me because a lot of fury, and I know you make fun of me because I talk about me a lot. Um, <laughs> but I was that yeller coach. Really? Yeah. When I first started coaching uh, baseball, and I love baseball, and I love coaching it, I love being around the kids. I was a yeller, and, and it was wasn't a good yell. So, yeah. the, so that was my question. You were just like kind of a mad, just yelling at them. Yes. I, I legit don't know if I've ever heard that in the eight years we've known each other. No. I'm, yeah. I'm intrigued. Can yeah. So, uh, and, and it took, and I think I've told this story before, but, you know, it took, I, I coached Little League Baseball for a very long time. I coached before I had kids, too. And um, when I started going through that, I started yelling a lot. And I had a friend come up to me. And, and that's the cool thing about one thing as a coach, you really have to take constructive criticism. If you're going to coach, you got to be ready to be coach, coach a coach, you know, yeah. from another coach. And uh, two friends of mine came up to me and said, "Hey, man, you're pretty rough on these kids." And then, you know, after a while, I'm like, "Yeah, whatever," and stuff. And then my wife got on me about it too. And then, and I'm like, "Oh," so I started thinking about it more and more. And and I know we don't look at records. My big thing, my record is like I always want, I always wanted a kid to love the game enough to come back and play again because yeah. literally, they, they filter off as they get older, and my my whole idea was like if I'm not making an atmosphere to where these kids want to come back and play their, to play baseball, whether they're an all star or they're just learning the game or they're just a mediocre player that just wants to come out and play baseball, I want to make it enjoyable enough to come back and play again, and. When I actually sat down one time and I reevaluated that way I coach, and um, I, I was a jerk. I, I actually legitimately almost lost my son to baseball because of that. I do remember you yes. telling yeah. And uh, he was 11, 12 years old around that time, and then the following year I was going to go, okay, hey, you're on your own, you're going to go to the next level and someone else is going to coach you. And uh, I was ready not to give up on coaching, but to 
let him take a break from me. Yeah. And, and me reevaluate. But there was no coach for the juniors, so I ended up having to coach anyway. And uh, so that year, I I evaluated, I, I put implemented what I learned. Love it. And uh, we weren't the best team because <clears throat> I had a good core of good players and uh, you know decent players on here. But every single kid enjoyed that season. We were we were in every game. We we didn't we lost a lot of games, but it wasn't. I wasn't mad because the way we lost. We, we, we lost good because we battled it. And they were better teams. But our big thing was that was the all-star team. So we ended up going, taking the team, and we won two all-star games. Love it. And everybody was, like, very excited about it. We used all our players. And, and actually, I switched it up even more during there, during the, the all-stars that kids played different positions, and we started winning. And it was a lot of fun. So ever since then, I knew, like, okay, I got to take a different stance. Now, do I yell to this day? Yeah, but it's in a different way, a more encouraging way, yeah. like we talked about earlier. So that's I love that. That's one of the yelling, my, my personal story on that one. I love that, and I appreciate that. I think for anyone listening right now, I think one of the greatest things you can do as a human being, as a teacher, as a coach, as a parent, as a student athlete, is to take bits and pieces from other people. Right reflect on your own life and say, all right, how, how am I? If I st- step back and look at myself from a bird's eye view, would I want my son or daughter to be coached by me? Mm-hmm. And more importantly, am I proud of the coach I am? Exactly. You know? um, I, I, another uh, mistake I had growing up, and any, any coaches watching this, I think if, you, uh, if you're just listening on the way to work or if you're sitting down, you can take notes, ask yourself as you hear about these different styles, and you may even come up with others that we haven't, I'm sure you will, um, but ask, you know, which coach would you think your players would say you are, mm-hmm. and are you proud of that? Do you want to be, be remembered as right. the yeller or everyone's best friend? And I don't think those are two styles that either of us want to be remembered as right. the best friend or, or the yeller. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the storyteller? Oh. You know, I uh, another mistake I was saying I made my first year as head coach in Bedford, New Hampshire, was we would wrap up practice, as we do here at Coronado. I would say a few words, and I'd say, hey, coach, is anything? And every single coach wanted to say something. Every single coach that we go around, and uh, as as Graham had mentioned, you know, you see players switching from one knee to the other because the, the beads and the turf are just digging in too right. much. It's just it's just too much. So what I tell our coaches now, hey, when you are with your position groups, at the end of every practice, I'll say the final word. Then we'll break off offensive indie position coaches or defensive position coaches, and then they can share two minutes or less of what you want to share. Um, the storyteller coach, the one that you think maybe doesn't have an audience at home or children or a spouse or you feel like this is – and for some coaches, and I'm not knocking them, coaching is their lives. Yes. It is everything. As much as I love it, I'm passionate about everything about coaching. It's not my life. Right. It's a huge part of it, but it's yeah, not my life. Exactly. You know, And you want to make sure that as you are talking to your players, unlike this podcast where we might take 20 minutes, mm-hmm. you want to make it short, sweet, and if you have a conversation you want to have a little bit longer – Pull an individual or a small group aside, right? One on one, and let them know, "Hey, I want to talk for twenty minutes, definitely, or something." Yeah, do you got time for a story? <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and then you got uh, the coaches that are like they're quiet, and it's hard to read. Yeah, you know, it's hard to you know. It's like, am I doing this job good? I know Graham was sharing a couple things with that, that uh, on the uh, football field. The coach would just come up and quietly tell him a few things, and then he'd do it and. Good job, and 
but then there's some coaches that sit there with a scowl on their face with their arms crossed just watching them and and you don't know like okay am I doing this right am I doing it wrong is he yeah. mad at me is she not mad at me yeah. you know whatever it's like it's kind of tough because then you're like you may lose the crowd too because you're not coaching yeah. you're just watching you might as well buy a ticket sit up in the stands and just watch the practice or watch a football game yeah. you know, or a baseball game there's an interesting thing you throw baseball in there every so often in baseball there's an interesting thing I've heard years ago in coaching it's called ABC mm-hmm. always be coaching yeah and I think that's been overused and misunderstood where people think or coaches think you have to correct every single mistake and you always have to be talking you don't sometimes right. it is that just that quiet conversation of hey I saw this great player or not do something that they could do a little bit better or do it well pull them aside and have a conversation for 20 seconds about stacking a defender or about stemming your route or whatever it may be um, and no one else needs to know about it not every time we speak as coaches you know, as, as you know, my father passed away just about a year ago, a little under that. Um, love him to death. Love him to death. Uh, I would not say however. One thing he always did was when he was at a family function, and there were 20 or 30 family members there, and he wanted to tell a story, he would make sure everyone was stopped what they were doing and listening. You should drive oh, me crazy. I was like, Dad, not everyone needs to hear this. Yeah. So I always want to constantly remind myself, not, I'm not that important. Not everyone needs to hear every word I have to say. Right. Um, Sometimes you can be that quiet coach that just goes over quietly, says something, mm-hmm. steps away, and, and the players know they can go back to you and ask questions yeah. when they need to. I think it's a powerful thing. And that's a good, a powerful thing, in fact, when you are running a full play and not everybody's doing it wrong, maybe there's just one little tweak you have to do it, and you could go to that one player quietly and just say, hey, I saw you do this, you need to do this, or you know, on a bunting coverage their base wasn't covering where they're supposed to cover you don't have to shout it out in front of everybody that this one person messed up correct or stop the entire practice exactly which rolls right into the negative coach who just has nothing nice to say about anything and you don't know if you did it right and then you get that one little compliment and it's kind of a half-witted compliment yeah you're like was that a compliment you're not too sure whatever so and everybody's uncomfortable around this guy and I I think it's interesting about the negative coach or and we're not going to mention names um I, I will say the number one reason I wanted to be a head coach was for the car, the house. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, was so I could hand select the coaches that coach with me. Mm-hmm. So, so, so I can interview them, talk about life, and make sure, yes, they should know football. But more importantly, that in my opinion, I want them to know and love people. Yes. And I can teach them how to teach tackling. I can teach them how to do footwork and hand placement for right. alignment, whatever it is. Um, but with, with a negative <laughs> coach... If a coach is, is constantly negative, you might have a confident young man that understands, hey, he said something here, and I know he's proud of me. And that's great for some young men or some young right. women. But many don't know that. So if you do view yourself as that negative coach, and, and players joke around about it sometimes, if so-and-so is never happy, he's, he's never fully satisfied, um, be careful of, of not finding a balance of praising your athletes when, when needed. Not always. I was also guilty of that. I, I would compliment too much when it wasn't needed and, right. and, and it was kind of lost so it kind of I hate to say dumbed down but for lack of better terms dumbed down the truer compliments mm. to certain players but for the negative coaches um, some people are just hardwired that way yeah, you know and, and I think so many of us as coaches we take bits and pieces that we learn from our fathers from our mothers from coaches or teachers and that's all helped shape and mold us to who we are as coaches Definitely. Um, but we have to be careful of, of just 
being just one type of coach. Because I think you can be a coach that yells at certain times, yes. but also praises often. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, something that's quiet sometimes and kind of find what works for you as a coach. And then also being energetic at the right times when something works at all of a sudden and you're like, there it is, you know, and then they know, okay, that's how they're supposed to run the play yeah. or, you know. So, um, you know, as far as the young coaches too is, you know, what we were talking about a little earlier is, you know, getting to know your players. You know, what works for them. Does the high energy coach work for them? Does a, does a little negativity or a, a hardcore constructive criticism work with them? Or does the quiet bring them aside and talk to them normal as a person to person work with them? Yeah. And that goes like with our last podcast when we were talking about getting to know your players. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting too. For all sports are different. Obviously, you could have a very successful basketball team that has seven players. Yeah. Players. You could have a baseball team that has. What's the average size of high 15. 15, 20 players. Yeah. For high school football, depending on where you are, you could have 30 players on a team, you could have 130 players right. on a team. I know my last four years in Bedford, New Hampshire, we had 144 players. Wow. And they all come from different backgrounds, different learning styles, different likes and dislikes. So it's important as a staff, if you're building a staff and creating a staff, to also look, look for different styles that may meet the individual needs of all your players. Right. Make, you know what makes them tick. Um, I also want to warn for coaches. Uh, I'm going to be really careful here and not mention uh, the program or the coach. But there was a coach I coached with for several years who used to braggadociously talk about how his family knew they wouldn't see him during the season. Yeah. And they know they're football widows. They don't see him during the season. And to the young men, he would brag and say, "That's how much I care about you guys." Right. Well, first of all, I'm going to call a load of crap right there because if we're truthfully trying, as we say so often, we want to help build better young men and young women. Mm-hmm. Then let's teach them about balance. Right. Let's teach them that you can be a nasty football player and be a gentleman in the classroom. Right. You can be someone that holds the door open for someone and runs through someone's face mask, right. you know, the very same day. Um, one of the things I love, like, you know, I've been blessed to be able to teach elementary school. I paint murals. There's nothing manly or masculine about either of those, but I'm passionate about them and I'm passionate about football, you can be someone who is passionate about baseball and a right. great player or coach and still have other avenues and things in life that you love to do. Um, you don't want to be that all-in coach that says, hey, I'm all-in and football comes first above everything else because other things are going to pay. Right. And that same coach that used to brag about that, and I'm not happy about this, ended up getting a divorce uh, a year or two after you know, we had coached together. Um, and it's all for not. You know, if we're going to talk about you know, being champions on and off the field, let's model what that looks like. Definitely. And you definitely don't want one thing to find who you are. You know, football, football is my definition of who I am. It's, it's not. You know, you're supposed to be a husband. You're supposed to be a father or a, or a wife or a mother. You know, that, those are the things you want. We're, we're, we're examples of what society probably should be, yeah. you know, where we go out and we encourage people outside of the sport to do whatever they need to do to get better themselves. Yeah. You know, and if you just say, hey, I do this for you, it's defining. You're just there because you're worried about uh, uh, the, the record at the end or making right. it to CIF or the state championship game. And that's not how you want to be growing up because once you're done with football, once it's over, what do you have? And, and the fact you know? is it's going to end for all of us. Yeah, exactly. For, for all of us, our playing days are going to come to mm-hmm. an end, which I think is a perfect segue to that type of coach that – wants to always live through their players. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and I think, I'm not going <clears> to, <throat> we're not going to say which is the worst here, which is the best, but not a fan of the coach that 
tries to compete with the players. Now, I think there's a fun thing in the way you're, hey, we're going to do a little competition here, but the ultimate goal is to help make them better athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a coach one time on staff, uh, not a bad person at all. I hired him, so if he was a bad person, shame on me. Uh-huh. Um, but would constantly say to players, hey, I'm faster than you, I can beat this, or I, I, I can catch better than you. And first, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Second of all, you're not empowering the players by saying that. Yeah. You know, our playing days are over. And I don't ever want our players to think that we're living vicariously through them. You know, we, we are in a position to coach a game we still love. Right. And, you know, and I've said this often, I, it's a pet peeve of mine when people say, oh, it's just a game. Mm-hmm. Oh, that just makes my skin boil because I've been blessed to, to be at former players' weddings, to get announcements when they're, you know, graduating college mm-hmm. or having a child or getting married or I've spoken to a young man's funeral that I coached before. So all different walks of life. Yeah. Um, but we can't live vicariously through our, through our athletes. We need to let them know that we are there for them. Right. We're around a game because we love it. It is not just a game, but it is a game. Definitely. And we want to make it fun for them. One of the best uh, things I've seen on uh, Instagram was, uh, oh, it was a father. Is a father was saying, the only person in your life that wants you or going to cheer for you to be better than, than you is your father. And I think as a coach... I think my my thing is like I want to coach you up enough to where you're the better player, even a better person than I am. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's super important. But I also want to bring up to the fact too, it's not just coaches. You know, coaches are on one side of the fence. Like for baseball, we're on one side of the fence. We're doing that. But there are also other people on the other side of the fence in the stands that are the yellers, are the storytellers, are the ones... You know, and yes, I'm talking to you, parents. Um, Ooh, the finger points. Yeah, I'm talking to you. And uh, and trust me, I, I, I used to be one of those. And um, it's not fun for the player. It's not fun to play. The player knows they made a mistake. They know they're not, um, they didn't play to their standards. Our job as coaches and as a parent, because I'm speaking as both, and you too, your son played, yeah. is to encourage your, your kids as you would, Encourage your players on the team that you coach, yeah. and uh, it's, you know, I know none of you are not going to like that. But well, it's oh funny well. too. So we just had last week we had a parent meet the coaches night mm-hmm. uh, to introduce some things to the parents, and I told them I said our job is to serve your sons and daughters. That's our number one job is to serve them and to coach them, and they go hand in hand. I said your job is to be their best parent, be their best supporter. You know, I I mentioned when I had to coach against Brockton, my son, when he was a junior and senior mm-hmm. in high school. Um, coaching against him was one of the hardest things I ever had to do as a coach. One of the hardest. Uh, but when I would go see his games when he played other programs, he would often ask me, how did I do? You know? And I remember to this day, I would ask him, do you want me to answer as a coach or as a father? Yeah. And there were two completely different answers. Because yeah, sometimes 100%. as a father, I would say, I'm proud of you, great effort. And then he was, and if he knew he didn't have a great game, he'd say, how about as a coach? I was like, horrible. You were late at most tackles. <laughs> you didn't wrap up. But, but. I would only do that when he asked me, yes. as a father, to give him that feedback. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I truly believe, for the most part, 99% of the young men and young women are very self-aware of how they do in games. Mm-hmm. They know whether or not they killed it or not, they could have been done better or not, or lazy or not. They don't need the parents, to your mm-hmm. point, critiquing or trying to coach them. Yeah. Even if that parent was or is a coach, still, be their parent. Yeah, yeah be their parent. Um, I think we covered all the ones in here. Uh, the energetic one, you know, I, I just want to point. We have a coach in our staff. I uh, was new last year. Great young man, 
And I, I don't know of a lot of, uh, I won't say his name, but I, I know he wouldn't mind me sharing this. When I met with him, the thing that stuck out with me the most, and my first meeting when I meet, interview with coaches, we don't talk about football at all. We just talk about life. I want to get to know them, what makes them tick. He hated football in high school. He was bullied by the coaches. He was bullied by his teammates. He had a horrible experience. So he was thrilled to hear from me that football is secondary for me. I want to make sure that we're pouring into these young men and helping them thrive outside of football Right. in addition to football. Um, and it's been awesome to see him grow already in a year and a half and develop because he brings the energy. He walks into the room and he's just hooting and hollering and yelling and stuff. And he's such a quiet, quiet person. We actually had a spring ball practice last Friday, I think it was, uh, beach practice, and he jumped in at the end, and he was he was panting and sweating, and he was doing stuff I wasn't going to do anymore. Right. But he was running around dying, killing himself, um, but just loving it. He, yeah. He's almost brought the, not almost, he's told me often, it has brought the joy of football That's great. back to his life that he lost for four years in high school. Yeah. Because his team was completely different than what, not I, but what we have created here. Right. Um, I think it's important. I, I know we're, we're close to the 25-minute mark, and we would like to keep these less than a half an hour, I'll say. Um, as coaches, find out who you are. Find out how you want to be remembered. It's never too late to change. Um, but just be yourself. You know, no, no one needs, and I mean this with love and respect, no one needs another Coach Ty. No one exactly. needs another <laughs> another Coach Hines. Right. Uh, although we do have coach, two Coach Hines on staff now. Do you really? Yeah, they call, what do they call Brock? A bunch of oh. like 2.0 <laughs> mini Hines, which he gets, you know, he gets very mad about, about mini Hines. Yeah, <laughs> we can't wait to see him next time. Oh, he's getting big. He's getting big. Yeah, um, but uh, that's because he's married now. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's right. <laughs> Although he does the cooking in the family. Um, <clears throat> just, just be yourself as a coach. You know, yeah. the young men and the young women, they, they're smarter than a lot of people give them credit. And they, they don't need a best friend, they don't need an actor. They need someone that's going to be their true, authentic self enable not enable but empower them the student athletes to be themselves and uh just just give your all to those you're blessed to coach definitely and be willing to evaluate yourself and be willing to change as your team changes and uh, it'll serve you better because if you do self-evaluation it's just going to make you that much more better because sometimes what you see is not working and just keep working amen reminds me i just tweeted out the other day just you know Uncoachable coaches are ten times worse oh. than uncoachable players. Right. Uncoachable players, it's frustrating, but they're 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 year old right. young men and right. young women. Uncoachable coaches, we have no more excuse. We've no, lived no. long enough yeah. that if we're uncoachable, it's a choice. Definitely. So we appreciate you guys. Uh, if you enjoyed this at all, please uh, like or share or do something with it yep. to uh, to bless other people. And as always, take it for what it's worth. Stay strong. Thank mm-hmm. you.